Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. This episode is actually all about the concept of tribe. We delve into what having a tribe really means, the importance of quality relationships for our health and happiness, the difference between digital and analog interactions, as well as some practical tips to help you create deeper connections with your tribe. This week's app is brought to you by TFC Footwear. We've just expanded our range of barefoot footwear, so we've now got the full range of styles for Vivo Barefoots for men's, women's, kids and toddlers. And look, to be honest, we really can't endorse these shoes enough. My Primus lights are pretty much the only shoe I wear when I'm not barefoot. And if you head to our store today, you can grab yourself a pair at a discounted price. Just check out tfc-shopaus.com. All right, you're back with James and Mac, and this episode is going to be all about tribe, which I guess is essentially just another word for community these days, Uh, but we like to use the term tribe as a bit of an homage to our (laughs) ancestral background. It's quite fitting. It is, yes. And yeah, obviously humans are tribal animals by nature. Uh, from, From an evolutionary perspective, this was really a requirement for survival. Uh, we needed the safety and numbers that a tribe would provide in order to protect ourselves from dangers in the environment. So, you know, predators and weather and food scarcity and rival tribes as well. So, you know, enemies. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you gotta got to protect your tribe. Um, and so we'd all help each other to make tools and build shelters and... I guess it's just the way it worked, isn't it? If you didn't have that back then, then you wouldn't have survived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you needed to rely on other people and they needed to rely on you in order to survive because it's a harsh, harsh world, the natural environment. I mean, it can be obviously very beautiful and, and you know, synergistic and connected, but in a lot of ways it is a harsh world and in order to survive and in order for our species to survive, we needed to band together and create tribes and you utilize i guess everyone's skill sets as well um to ensure the survival of the tribe as a whole yeah yeah exactly and so within tribes obviously different cultures and different countries and different peoples will have different uh, examples of all of these but generally yeah there'd be certain roles within the tribe so there'd be tribal leaders and and elders and medicine men and women or shamans and warriors and hunters and gatherers and cooks and obviously there'd be a lot of overlap and uh, between all of those roles as well Uh, but the idea is that everyone contributed to the tribe in some Mm. way and in return they were taken care of by the tribe and you know there was no such thing as individualism it it was you know we almost acted the tribe almost acted as more of a, a a greater organism, kind of like a beehive kind of thing where everything's working together to create this, yeah, this greater organism. And uh, I suppose that goes for the entire species as well. Yeah. But it in itself was almost an ecosystem. um, Yeah. Feeding each other and ensuring that every other part or every other person playing that role in the ecosystem was, was pulling its weight, but also, you know, was surviving and was, was looked after as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so throughout, like it is always helpful to look at that evolutionary perspective and that, that more natural uh, perspective because we can see how our brains have been hardwired for mm. this connection with other humans. And 
disconnection from the tribe historically essentially means death or it's a it's a really it's a genuine the brain treats as it a treats it as a genuine physical emergency because if you are isolated from the tribe you're so so at risk of predation or being you know or or any kind of wild weather event or anything like that and i suppose it doesn't just go back to our ancestral links but you look at any animal if if an animal whether it's a wolf for example if they get split up from the pack then Mm. their chances of survival are slim to none way down yeah and so the the brain really kind of freaks out creates a lot of stress chemicals and Mm. and feelings of you know, feelings of loneliness or depression or anxiety if you're separated from tribe. And it's interesting how that plays out, I guess, in modern times as well. And mm-hmm. actually, you know, back then, there's, there's, it's been documented that, or back then, or even in, in tribes today, um, less modern, I suppose, tribes, then shunning or social rejection is a, a great form of punishment or a, a severe form of punishment for mm. members of the tribe who act out or who don't follow the rules or norms or um, yeah practices of the tribe that can be shunned and that's actually you know one of the worst punishments you can receive compared to a modern context where it's <laughs> it is again still one of the most horrible i guess punishments you can receive as well as a yeah a public shunning yeah public shunning or you know we almost use a, a version of shunning in prisons and and just isolation isolation from society um prison is obviously the in most places like the worst punishment that people get you know mm-hmm. you get fines or you get you know community service or something like that or if you've done something bad enough you go to prison and that's like oh you're no longer allowed to be part of society you have to be part of this sort of Obviously, you're still interacting with other people, but you are isolated from your family and from your community, and it's like a, it's quite a big punishment. And even within those prison systems, extra punishment is uh, solitary Isolation. confinement, yeah, and so course. you get put into a, a cell where you don't get to interact with even other, the other prison inmates, and that's actually known known and understood as a psychological torture mm. because it's so damaging to psychological health to be removed from other humans. And so they would do that back ancestrally with, with tribes, they would, and it still just, to this day. They'd just ignore someone. Yeah, the whole, the whole tribe would just ignore them. And... Yeah, it was a, it wow. either, and they've seen. I think they've seen that happen in horses and and other animals as well. I remember reading in Frank's in New Old Way. I think it was that they've identified that type of behaviour in horses. Say if there's a really um, feisty cult, like a, mm-hmm. a really cult that just won't settle down or anything, then the parents or the the rest of the horse. Oh, pack or <laughs> what is a pack of horses a flock of horses oh, d- no i don't know about a flock no we'll look no. it up um the rest of the the rest of the horses basically or especially the parents will sort of ignore them or just stop giving them any attention at all and then that that brings that cult's behavior back into back into line because anything is better than uh being shunned from the group and um yeah, so it's quite an interesting thing that it's, that's been going on yeah, for so yeah. long and and we really know deep down how bad that is for, for us to be shunned or for us to be ignored. Like imagine if your family or friends mm. just were like, they really disagreed with something you did so much that they just stopped talking to you. It's like, 
yeah. it's brutal. <laughs> really, really brutal. Yeah. And, and I mean, we see it to a lesser degree online these days. Um, you know, it's it's probably not direct shunning. People don't make a deliberate choice to shun people, but that general, you know, if people aren't getting enough likes on their photos or aren't getting enough interaction mm. on their social media accounts, then it, it's almost the modern form of shunning. If, if people are, you know, not engaged with online in their tribe, their online tribe, mm. that online shunning, I would imagine, would have the same mental health impacts that that the physical isolation from yeah. community can have. Yeah, and we we want to talk about about the mm. digital digital world a bit more yeah, we as won't well. Rush ahead. Um, but the, the but you're exactly right, and even cancel culture, this whole thing where, you know, if a certain vocal group of people disagree with someone something someone said or find some something that someone said offensive then they want to cancel them and you know take all their stuff off the internet and all mm. and it's like that's kind of a version of it in a sense it's like oh no you don't get the right to speak anymore you don't get the a voice and obviously there's there is people can say horrible things and or, you know if people are inciting violence or something like that then obviously that they, they shouldn't have the platform but in terms of free speech and things like that then you know, offense of being offended is quite a subjective thing. There's no, nothing <laughs> is objectively so offensive because I might swear black and blue. Some people find it funny. Some people won't care either way. And some mm. people find it offensive. It's, it's subjective. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a rabbit hole, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So over time, you know, ancestrally, we obviously banded in small, relatively small groups of family and, and neighbours and you're all sort of... And I can confirm, for horses, it's a team. Oh, a harass, you're kidding. Or a rag a team? of cults. Oh. Yeah. So, for cults, we would have used a rag. <laughs> a rag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like it. Or a team. There yeah. you go. Those yeah. collective nouns are so funny. <laughs> yeah, I swear someone <laughs> just makes them up and yeah, checks them up honestly. There. <laughs> if you look up a list of collective nouns, it's actually... I can't. There's there's one particular one that's really funny. Um, it's like a murder of crows. Of course, like yeah. things like that. Anyway, <laughs> yet another rabbit hole. Um, so, yeah, I guess ancestrally and evolutionarily, we banded together in in small groups and w- relatively small groups. Obviously, it would depend on the culture and everything. And and over time, as we figured out different um, food systems and developed more complex language and um, especially monetary systems, then we were able to form larger and larger groups into, you know, villages and societies and, and, and civilizations. Course, yeah. yeah, and money was actually a big facilitator of that because you were able to... Money became the facilitator of, of a, a certain form of trust between mm. someone. Like, we both trust that this money is a symbol of value. And so you no longer have to necessarily just be trading with someone in your tribe or in... Uh, you know, in a neighboring tribe, you can share that trust with anyone who has who believes in the same type of currency that you've got. And I guess it comes back to what we were talking about in the episode we did on stories about how I, I guess a tribe really is a group of people that buy into the same stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and money being one of those stories, um, you know, they build a construct around the value of these coins and yes. then everybody in that tribe um, who agrees with that or that that's believes in that story um i guess by way of believing it, it falls into that that tribe as a 
as a, a wider community. Yeah, very true. And and obviously tribes would have similar religious beliefs or spiritual mm. beliefs or you know spiritual practices um, and and all of those things. And mm. so and they would share technologies within the tribe. And and so they'd have all these yeah shared beliefs and goals and obviously a shared yeah shared mission of the survival of the tribe. And so. Over time, yeah, as as we developed money and more complex language, and we were able to band together in bigger and bigger groups, then we would we had these bigger civilizations, and which then led to you know nations being you know uh, almost a, a huge tribe. But I guess then within those bigger tribes, you would see fractures of those tribes emerge, or, or smaller tribes within them. Yeah, smaller communities. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Um, especially in the, like, those communities, I guess, arise out of the need for that, that closer human connection because, sure, we might have a million, 20 million people in Australia or 25 million people in Australia. There's no way you can connect with all of those people. You do share a currency and you share a, you know, the law of the land, but... And you, you share need, that safety, that, that yeah, safety that has been numbers. created by the power of the 25 million people within your tribe and the, you know, yeah, the, the lifestyle that you're, you're able to live by being a part of that tribe. But yeah, like you said, the most important thing with tribe is that connection. and Is that closer? Yeah. The close bonds, the really quality relationships and, and that, um, that face-to-face interaction as well. Yeah. Belongingness. Yeah, exactly. And some people might not necessarily resonate or really feel like they belong as an you know in Australia per se, but they belong in their family or they belong mm. in their neighborhood or their community and and that's what really matters most and so it's interesting though that more and more lately, especially over the last decade or so, though we've been sort of less and less connected with those communities like they they've historically you know even in more civilized societies than with a lot, a lot greater people than there was very tight knit communities. Mm. And lately, or yeah, over the past decade or so, then there's been less and less of that close connection with community. You only have to look at bowls clubs closing down mm. and, and mm. a lot of community groups that used to be thriving, you know, places to be for people to meet and, and, and come together fading out. Yeah. And, and mind you, there's, there's other, other things popping up like fitness mm. communities and yeah, and course. there's still other places like community gardens and things like that but you really have to seek it out it's sort of not a it's not a matter of course that you that you join a community like that whereas mm. where it used to be whereas now you really have to actively go oh, well I want to be a part of some kind of community and and you have to seek that out and it's still there if if you're willing to look and 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 go for it and in fact, there's because of the power of the internet, then there is a lot of different communities all over the place that you can access, but you have suppose to that's it. really Whereas, have to actively seek it. Where in the past there may have not been a handful, but the, the the list of communities you could be a part of was was shorter, and the path towards a community was probably clearer. But now, with and so I'm, many choices and so much freedom to be a part of a community that fits you. You gotta find it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta find it, and maybe maybe there might be too much choice. One could argue. I don't yeah. know, but uh, I also think 
historically a lot of the communities have been centered around religious groups and so you know the church your church community and yeah. and all of that was a very big thing for a long time obviously and you almost inherited the community yeah yeah and, and that was part of you know the part of the fam- the community that your family was a part of is becomes the community that you're a part of and so on and there are a lot of great aspects to that but obviously there's been a decline in that for a number of reasons and yeah it's up to up to you and as an individual kind of to find a community that suits you but in essence there like we can just see that it's pretty obvious and logical that human relationships and connections are really important and they just feel really good as well and yeah. you you can you know when you're not feeling as connected with people or if you are feeling connected it's a it's a inner feeling of more presence and happiness and and joy in your life when you do have those close connections mm. and then yeah more of that loneliness and and sadness and um longing for when you're not feeling connected and i guess school is probably one of the first places that we would get to experience that that loss of connection or the the struggle to find connection um mm. you know i guess up until that point we've sort of had our hand held um through and into the communities that we've been a part of whether it's family or family friends or um you know even even daycare and 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 child care and kindergarten before that um you're very protected uh when you were stepping out and and trying to find a tribe that you'd fit into uh, Mm. and primary school and and those early years where you're having to make friends and and build a tribe that that fits you yeah um that's that's one of the first times i think you really get exposed to that possibility that you won't be included in uh you know or won't be a part of a community or you know um yeah you, know, you, won't, you won't, won't be welcomed into a tribe experience that level of exclusion you know mm. especially if it's interesting how you know attachment styles play into it and parenting styles and you know how you've been socialized I suppose in your first in your early years and mm. how that affects your ability to make friends and so many factors that go into it and you know we're not experts on that field but no. it's it is interesting like you can you can think back to school and think about the kids who maybe weren't as included or would be picked last or mm. all of these things and you can really understand how that would have affected their confidence and you know their desire to go to school and and, and like you said things. just just generally how they felt yeah you know their general their general mood and general mm. emotions um and then you ma- can you can see how that eats away at kids and, and, and why so much focus is put on bullying these days and mm. Mm. um anti-bullying campaigns because yeah i mean the classic saying of the sticks and stones will break your bones but words will never hurt you but you know, it it really is almost immeasurable the impact that those early interactions can have on on young kids. Yeah, and that, and that plays out into the rest of the rest of your life as well. And they've, mm. they've, I'm pretty sure Frank mentioned in New Old Way that there's studies around yeah your attachment style and how how closely linked uh, you know being a, having a secure attachment style is to. Uh, success in later life and career mm. and relationships and all of this and mm. and how a non you know non secure or an anxious or an avoidant attachment style can negatively affect you and again you know we can't really delve too much into that in this podcast but 
I was actually just listening to a Huberman Lab podcast. I think it might have been episode 13, but it's called The Science of Emotions and Relationships. So he goes into that a bit and yeah, quite interesting. So I'd, I'd recommend listening to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is kind of intuitive that human relationships or the quality of your relationships will affect your happiness um, and health in, in a lot of ways. But it's also good to delve into a bit of research to back it up and go, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's actually true. Um, so yeah, in terms of happiness, well, well this, this TED talk by Robert Waldinger is about a Harvard study. And yeah, it's really worth a watch. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, so good. It's only 12, 13 minutes long, but he packs a lot in. Mm. And so he's basically the fourth director of this study at Harvard which is an, it's now 80 years old. I was going to say 80, yeah. At the time of the of the TED Talk, then it was 75. That was five years ago. So it's an 80-year-old study at the moment, which is a really long study. There's not many studies I think that go for I that long. I think it is the, the longest-running human yeah. study on human... Um, yeah. Human health and happiness, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they followed this group of 724 men over 80 years now. And a group, one group of them were Harvard College graduates who graduated around World War Two, and then another group was um, boss, like boys or teenage boys from Boston, who were grew up in a very poor community, like kind of the poorest of poor, like no running water kind of mm. s- setup. And um, they followed all of those men. I think it was every two years, or at least in the in the more recent study i guess design it's been every two years but they would follow along every two years and get all of this data on them and and the type of data that they would get would change over time based on what measurements were available what tools and technologies were available and also what kind of culture was around in in the health sphere at the time but these days, apparently, they're even they're sending questionnaires about a bunch of different things to do with their life, and they interview them in person. They even draw blood and take brain scans and get all their medical records from their doctors, and they even talk to their wives and their children, and mm. and I think video them talking to their wives as well, and just get a lot of good, thorough, rich data from, mm. from these men. And I think it's only, well, at the time of the TED Talk, I think he said 60 or maybe 70 of them are still alive of the 724. Mm. And basically, he what he says in the TED Talk is that out of everything that they've studied and, and come up with and and all of that data, the biggest conclusion they've come out from all of it over all those years is that good relationships are really good for our health and happiness. And Mm. so when they look at the men who've got strong social connections, so people with close bonds with their family and friends and community, they are actually physically healthier. And so they have better physical health outcomes in terms of, you know, all your classic heart disease, cardiovascular disease, respiratory disease, and, and all of that. They're cognitively healthier, so they have less cognitive decline, less memory memory loss, all of that, and they just live longer than those who feel like they want or need more social connections, so people who are lonely, basically. Mm. And it what they also found, it's not just, you know, the number of friends or 
the fact that they're in a long-term committed relationship. It's the quality of those friendships and the quality of those relationships that really determine mm. how protective it is for their health. And so, you know, they found that men, or, you know, people, and they were studying men, so people in high conflict marriages um, is actually really bad for our health. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise. yeah, surprise. And possibly, he said even possibly worse than divorce. Mm. So, you know, if you're in a bad relationship uh, with high conflict and low affection, then it's probably not necessarily worth staying. But mm. obviously, I think everything's individual. Um, but the quality relationships, and he referred to it as people who felt like they could really count on each other when the going got tough they were very protected of all of those things and and really slowed down cogn- yeah, cognitive decline and memory loss especially mm. which is really interesting but i was thinking about it and i guess how that would work physiologically and it just does make a lot of sense when you factor in stress so we yeah, know that stress and chronic stress especially and we've talked about this before in the podcast chronic stress is so closely linked to all chronic lifestyle diseases and and well, just everything. <laughs> yeah. our, our body is not cut out for to be in to that. be chronically stressed and inflamed yeah. and, and everything. And so a poor relationship or a lack of relationships uh, and loneliness is a stressor. It's a, it's a major stressor on the body, like we talked about before. And with a lot of stress comes poorer sleep, poorer digestion. You know, less you're less likely to want to get out and move or work out and it just plays into all other aspects of your yeah, health. All these facets of your health. Yeah, and that's why we that's why we talk about the five pillars of health, uh, you know, as part of the Foot Collective, and I know other people do as well. We didn't come up with it, um, but we talk about those five pillars because you can't separate. You can't say, oh yeah, f-, like obviously food really matters and movement really matters and um, sleep sleep really matters and stress really matters and relationships and and community really matters, but they all carry over into each other so much your movement will affect your digestion and your appetite and your sleep will affect how much energy you've got for movement and your you know so on so forth and in fact nick and i did a whole podcast on this Mm. on his on the tfc audio project uh last year or maybe yeah no it was last year and it's just very important to recognize how all of those things play together. And I think maybe people underestimate just how much the relationships can affect every other aspect of their life and their health. And I guess we've touched on all of, all of those other pillars throughout a lot of the other podcasts we've done so far, but there's a bit of a reason why we've left tribe until the end. And, and it really is because I think it's one of those ones that ties a lot of it Mm. all in together because if you don't have a tribe or you don't have any of those relationships, then the rest is going to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Major. And, and in fact, I think we, we haven't really, I mean, we haven't delved deep into food and sleep, but it's, um, I guess we focus mostly on on food, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we should, I should, uh, we'll get Tom back on. He's, he's a bit of a sleep nerd as well. (laughs) Um, and we, we will delve into those, those pillars a bit more as we go, especially with people who are more, I guess, experts in that field because, Mm. I mean, we could talk about it, but it's always good to get someone with more experience on the topic. And, but you're right, tribe, when you think about tribe, not only is it the stress, I suppose, of a poor relationship or, you know, poor quality relationships or a lack of 
relationships, but it's also the influence that you get from being around certain people who, you know, mm. if, if, if you're around, there's a quote that's like, you're the sum of your yeah. five, the five people you hang out with most. So if you're around people who enjoy movement, like cooking healthy food, they like getting to bed on time and, you know, they're just chill mm. and they're not, you know, they're not trying to um, start conflict and things like that. If you're around those people, then you become more like that as well. And, and we often, we often talk about it also attracts those kinds of yeah. people as well. Yeah. And so the more you're like that, the more, yeah, your vibe attracts your tribe mm. is another cool quote. I don't know who it comes <laughs> from, but um, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, yeah, the vibe you put out and uh, the energy that you bring to life will attract people who are attracted to that energy. So it's super simple, but if you... Uh, probably the, you know, if you say you want to lose weight or you want to start a movement habit or you want to get more sleep or you want to stop drinking or you want to stop smoking, probably one of the biggest things Mm. aside from anything to do with willpower or even, I guess, environmental design, this is kind of environmental design, but the biggest thing is just removing yourself from the people who do those things because you know that if you're around people that are eating junk food or smoking or drinking, you're going to be a lot more likely to do that. Or if you're around people who are overweight, then it, it like they've done studies that show that that will, uh, that will inhibit your ability to lose weight as well. Mm. And, you know, if those people are your family, that makes it a lot harder. If they, it's not easy to cut people out of your life and, and it's not necessarily all about just cutting people out of your life willy nilly, but no. it's about really taking note of, what the people in your life, how they contribute to your health and maybe how you can, you know, create, um, what's the word, boundaries or create more distance, you know, still still see them or, you know, make sure they know that you value them but that you're trying to make a change in your life and, and, and all of these things. It's very context-dependent and very, yeah, of course. very individual to um, yeah, the individual situation but... It's, it's very important to note that how much your tribe will affect your ability to maintain certain behaviors. And even in a work context as well. I mean, mm. um, if you're working in a stressed out office where everyone's stressing and, and that is, is, is from the very top, then it's very hard to avoid having that flow into your own, you know, your own state. Um, because if everyone's stressed, it does, you know. That, that vibe feeds on it's the culture yeah, mm. yeah. workplaces can generate a, a certain culture like you found in your job mm. and and then the difference when you've come to i guess a, a workplace <laughs> yeah of course with a completely different culture and so yeah in one sense we sort of we're res- somewhat restricted by what we're born into or what we've found ourselves in in terms of career or mm. lifestyle but in another sense we are the creators of our reality and we can once we know oh, okay my my vibe affects my tribe and my tribe affects my vibe then you know there's there are things that you can change yeah even if it feels helpless or even if it feels like oh i can't cut them out you just find things that you can change about that and a lot of it is just identify like taking that step back and and having that sort of third person look mm. at Take a bird's eye view of yeah of, of, of your life. own of your own vibe and the vibe around you and 
mm. work out if that's the tribe that you need to be in. Yeah, exactly. And like we were saying before, the the beauty of the internet today, I suppose, is there are so many tribes out there mm. that you can connect with and choose to be around certain people more and, and maybe even invite your old tribe or invite you know your friends and family who you, who you'd like to change with invite them along too and then if, mm. if if they're keen then that'll be great and if they're not then you'll just start spending more time with the people who are who are more the vibe that you want to be around so yeah it's not going to be easy necessarily but it's a, it's a very important step in terms of a, a sustainable change in your health mm. and in your life um and so yeah, I guess that's that's your vibe attracting your tribe. And then in terms of the loneliness, which we touched on before, just how there's actually been studies that have shown that acute loneliness. So I can't remember the exact study design, but it's basically when they, they took a bunch of people and they do these... Um, there's a name for the, the way the study design. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. But it's where they have like a beeper. So someone gets a beeper. And every and nine times a day, this beeper beeps and the person has to write down what they're doing, how and how lonely or connected they feel at the time. Mm. And maybe one or two other questions. And But the, the idea is that... Oh, no, that's right. They, they, they write down what they're doing, how lonely or connected they feel at the time, and then they um, spit into a saliva tube or something like that. So it sounds like it's pretty... Pretty interesting study. <laughs> um, and they found that when people are feeling lonely, their cortisol levels spike. And so uh, that means their stress, basically cortisol is a stress hormone. And so your stress levels are way up when you're feeling lonely. And this is what we talked about before, the brain experiencing loneliness or rejection as a genuine physical emergency. And they found that it's actually similar levels of stress hormones as the, like the threat of a physical attack. Wow. And so, yeah, that's a very interesting thing. And then, like we said before, with the chronic loneliness leading to chronic stress, they've, they've found that people who are chronically lonely... Uh, have that has similar effects on their health um, in terms of how much it increases risks of disease and everything as smoking around 15 cigarettes a day and can and can increase all-cause mortality so the the risk of dying by anything um, by about 50 percent and And imagine if you removed yourself from a tribe where you were smoking 15 packs a day (laughs) still feeling lonely yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so you can't just remove yourself you've got to find other (laughs) other tribe um but yeah it is fascinating and but it does make sense in terms of that in terms of that chronic stress and i mean i've I've always i feel i've always been quite blessed in terms of having a, a strong family connection and I've always been surrounded by good supportive friends and I guess haven't really experienced that type of loneliness mm. but it is a it is a harsh reality for a lot of people and and they've it's actually getting quite a lot of quite quite a uh magnified view now this concept of loneliness because it is such a killer and it is so and of course proven. covid yes gave us the the perfect sort of capsule to experience that yeah um, yeah and we there, there was a big push during the lockdowns i mean again we've been very lucky here and haven't had the lockdowns that they've endured overseas but 
even for the brief windows that we were locked down, there were real genuine concerns for old people, um, for the elderly, uh, who at the best of times didn't have much connection, but now were completely cut off from family and friends mm, and like, completely don't visit isolated. And they, they employed people, volunteers, to go and just talk to to, to the elderly. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they created a job for that is... Yeah, underlines how seriously it was being taken. Yeah, because it is very well studied. It's a it's a serious killer is being lonely and mm. and at the stats that I looked at, I'm not sure if this is taking into account COVID or with whether whether this was before COVID. But if you look at the American stats, the Australian stats, and the UK stats, they're all about one in four people um, report feeling lonely at any given time, mm. and that's a that's a, That's a fair lot of whack of the population, yeah. and that it might, might actually come as a bit of a surprise, be, when you consider just how well connected we are these mm. days. Connected in in you know inverted quotes, because you know digital all these digital technologies are about to help us connect. You know we can text, we can Facebook, we can Instagram, we can yeah, like people's, is, we can we see can... people's photos, and we can do all these things and. How are people feeling lonely when there's so much connection? Yeah, the cell is that open any app and you won't feel lonely, but yeah, quite the opposite's happening. Exactly. And so that's where we really need to consider the quality of the relationships, not just the quantity, you know, the amount of friends you've got on Facebook or the amount of people who follow you on Instagram Mm. um, or the frequency of interactions. So yeah, you might be texting people all the time or you might be, um, yeah, Insta DMing and, and all of these things but you're not necessarily getting that quality interaction. And this is where the that digital versus analog thing really comes in because there's a great book actually called Digital Minimalism that I've finished at the start of the year and really, really enjoyed it. He goes pretty deep on the whole topic. Um, so I recommend reading that. But essentially the idea with this concept is that the, the brain obviously craves connection. We as humans crave connection. And historically and evolutionarily speaking, connection was only through face-to-face interaction. We didn't have another option. We couldn't call someone on the phone and we definitely couldn't text them Mm. um, for the vast majority of our evolutionary history. And so these face-to-face connections came with not only words, but body language, facial expressions, voice tonality, often touch and you know, countless other physical factors and just energetic vibes. They've even they've even found lately that, you know, your heart will give off an energetic vibe that can travel a lot further than just the edges of your skin. I think mm. it might even be like three meters or something in front of you and and there's all these different energetic and physical factors that will come into a human interaction when it is face to face that you don't, you definitely don't get through text and you'd get to a much lesser degree through um, say like zoom or Skype or whatever uh, or FaceTime. And I mean, even smells, I think I, I, apparently it's up for debate how much humans really rely on pheromones and stuff, but we do know that we're responsive to smells Mm. and there's even studies on, where they give people they give people a, a t-shirt that has been sweated in 
by people who've either run, so they've run and sweat in this shirt, or they've jumped out of a plane and sweat in this shirt. And people, they take brain scans of the people that smell the shirts, and the people who smell the ones that have jumped out of an aeroplane have greater activation of their amygdala, which is the fear center in the brain. Wow. <laughs> and so there's something in, there is something in smells that will affect our brains and, and will be part of the communication, even though a lot of it is subconscious and, mm. you know, they're not smelling it going, ooh, that person was yeah, fearful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there is activation of those centers and, and, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting, all of these almost, almost unqu- unquantifiable factors that come into a, a face-to-face in-person interaction that we really just get is pretty much none of in most of the digital interactions that we get. I, I guess... Um when you look at the generation before us then and a generation that has relied so heavily on these digital outlets to to build connections i think it'll be really interesting to see what tribes look like in 15 20 years time um i I know we're going to get into what we think is needed and, and what we believe is important about maintaining and being part of a tribe but I'll be really intrigued to see these kids who have built a lot of their friends through a screen. And mm. I, I mean, we already see it um, just just with young kids not even be able, being able to talk to a stranger on the phone or yeah. to, to approach someone in public and Or even and talk to their friends someone. on the phone. There, yeah. There's some of the younger generation like, oh, don't call me. Like it just texts. It's like they, mm. they can't handle being called to chat about something on the phone and I think we just kind of scraped through with yeah, we, when we went through. Very we lucky. Just missed out on having a sp- smartphone for our whole lives, but that they are really smartphones these days are really extensions of our of our brain, and they really affect how mm. the brain works. I was I was um, at dinner last night. I was looking at some old photos, and I. I almost went to zoom in on this pr- on this <laughs> printed out photo by moving my hands. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, wow. my brain is just cut out for digital stuff, and and everyone's is really these days. Unless you're a hermit, you know, we're, we're just used to these digital technologies as an extension of our of our body, really, mm. and of our brain and our nervous system. But that does really take a toll, and I think there is. Uh, there is a lot of research now going into just how much of a toll that takes on um, men- the mental health of teenagers and and kids, especially when they're relying so much, especially going through puberty and you know popularity is such a big thing and and even just humans in general, the social hierarchy is is very important mm-hmm. um, from a primal that primal perspective of wanting to be high up in the social hierarchy and and now we have this. <laughs> quantifiable way of how many likes did I get on my photo how many comments how many people are you know engaging with it and and this very weird unprecedented level of quantifiable like you were saying before like oh I didn't get enough likes on my photo like Mm. or this person got 200 and I got 10 and then you take the photo down or you you know you get down about it or, or whatever and it might not be a very that person who got 200 likes might be feeling really lonely and not have any close connections and you might have a really good close friend a couple of close friends or mm. 10 close friends who all like your photos but you all hang out together in person and you know it, it's not a very good indicator of no exactly of how popular you are or how strong your relationships are 
Mm. In fact, it's probably a terrible indicator. And the the scary part now is that these technologies, yes, they're they're social media and they can help connect, but they're actually designed and, and specifically engineered to be addictive. Mm. And they even they even get in um, like slot machine engineers and and use similar algorithms or similar processes to give your brain the dopamine bump, like the dopamine bumps that are literally physically addictive, similar to taking a line of Coke or, Mm. you know, or like some kind of drug or cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. They, they, it gives you this neurochemical storm of like, Oh, that feels good. Oh, I got a like on my photo. Mm. Oh, I got a comment. And, and I'm I'm not immune to it. Like it's it's very easy to get sucked into that. Uh, like mm. oh, I wonder how many people liked this and mm. and and everything. And it is they're they're wired. Those those technologies are are engineered to do that. And and that because they're so addictive, we society in general spends so much time on them, and that takes away from the human interaction the the actual face-to-face and interaction you, that you can get and I, and I guess this sort of comes back to what i was saying is you, you do wonder what it's going to look like in the future where these young brains are hardwired to get that that hit that satisfaction from likes and and shares and comments on their content rather than a genuine interaction in person and being able to read those senses, being able to read someone's face, their voice, their smell, and and, and get the satisfaction from that mm. that face to face interaction, and you wonder to at what stage the benefit, you know, the the, the emotional benefit that uh, that one on one interaction has will be outweighed. Well, I think it's being outweighed already. I mean, the, if you look at the rates of depression and anxiety and suicides mm. in teenage populations, it are skyrocketing. Yeah. And they've skyrocketed since the... I think it was since the rollout of like accessible smartphones. As soon as everyone mm. started getting smartphones, and obviously that had the access accessibility to really, yeah. Instagram and Facebook, then these mental health conditions skyrocketed. And mm. it's not a coincidence. No. Sure, there's other factors around sleep and and um, you know nutrition and movement and all of these things play a role. But when you look at the correlate, like yes, it's correlation, but it's physiologically it makes sense why those things would be skyrocketing in response to those. If you want to get really messed up, you can watch the Social Dilemma on Netflix because they really they yeah. they open the kimono on the shit out of you. just <laughs> just how much these companies put into keeping, controlling your attention yeah, keeping on the hook and and it's a really common a really common dilemma for parents who you know they don't want to isolate their kids by taking their phone away because these these kids if if their phone gets taken away if their instagram account gets deleted it's they, public again, it's almost shunning it's shunning they, <laughs> yeah. they treat it like a full social isolation i can't interact with my friends like what do you mean like i need this and i guess that's what i was getting at is yeah you're right it 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 has it has overcome the the the, the in-person yeah yeah because the weight that it's put on it yeah and even i mean these days the other day i was at i was at dinner it was a while back but i was at dinner and interacting with a bunch of friends and i'm very very purposeful 
with not having my phone. Unconscious as well. Yeah, I, yeah. Put it, I put it face down so no notification comes up or I put it you know, somewhere that I can't see it mm. if, if possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite purposeful about that. And then I see um, it was a mother and a daughter. I think the daughter would have been a, a teenage or, or early, early adult. Mm. And they were both just on their phone the whole time. They didn't interact. They didn't talk. They maybe talked to like decide what they wanted for dessert and then they were back on their phone. It was mind boggling to me, but, but that happens so much. It's like, a, oh yeah, we'll be together. We'll hang out, but we'll just be on our phones doing Instagram, like connecting with other people who are not there. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, um, there's countless, countless examples, but even on the weekend, hanging out with my younger brothers and a few of their friends and, couple of the girls that were there um same thing had their phones Mm. out the whole time and even when they were interacting with each other it was centered around what was going on on the screens of their phones you know the the core of their interaction or or, and it was it was a really it was a bizarre interaction to observe quite removed from it but watching one of the girls take a video of the other girl and then show it to the other girl and then the other girl be upset that she'd even thought of taking this video and the vanity and and, and the issues that surrounded that. Um, But it was all because this interaction that they were having, almost like a, 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 it wasn't a fight, but, you know, a disagreement that all centered around this device that they could have easily just not used. Not used (laughs) because they're both there. Yeah. Yeah. but they were too worried about what everybody else was probably thinking about them online <laughs> rather than being present in yeah, yeah. That, that face-to-face moment that they could have been sharing with, with friends. Yeah, and you can see how anxiety builds up in that way of mm. like, oh, I wonder what people are thinking of what I've just put out. Like, oh, maybe I, yeah, maybe I look silly or maybe um, I said something wrong or, mm. you know, and, and it... And it and you're putting it out to all these people. Like in one way, that's really powerful. You can, if you have a good message to spread, you can put it out to a lot of people. But in another sense, if you know, it just opens you up to a whole lot more criticism, and 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 you can see how that would play into anxieties and things like that. And yeah, it's it is it's unfortunate that we've come to a point where we can be literally in the same room with people we value and love and still have a tendency to want to be on our phones and be connecting with people who aren't there. And again, I'm not trying to get on a high horse and say like, oh, all these people are lame because they're doing it, but I've noticed it a lot in myself. And Mm. I have to, you do really have to actively stop yourself or find practices of not doing that. Like, because I'll be with family or friends and the tendency to, oh, I want to check my Instagram, I wonder how many likes I've got on that photo that I posted. Oh, okay. Catch. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's real hard. And unless you're actively focusing on it, it's really, you can see it how becomes you just second nature. And yeah. I think like the, the, really the only answer is to, like you were saying before, it's an extension of the body. Well, if, if it's an extra limb, you've just got to cut it off. <laughs> yeah. Like you've literally got to not have it around you and not have it in view um, to properly yeah. disconnect and, yeah um exactly yeah face down on silent no notifications mm. and just just be fully present with who you're with and that can be it is and i know how much better i feel when i when i do oh. do that and when i 
when I almost, when I catch myself being about to reach for the phone, I'm like, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. It's just a habit. It's just my brain seeking a dopamine bump and I don't need that. Mm. And then you get that deeper satisfaction. satisfaction. Yeah, maybe you do Maybe you do get a little bo- dopamine bump from ignoring it as well mm. because you're like, yes, okay, cool. I'm being I win. back into yeah. presence. <laughs> um, and, but it's a, it's a constant practice. Mm. Yeah, and... I think in digital minimalism, Cal Newport, who's the author, he talks about really like he's very big on don't use social media unless you really have to or only like really restrict what activities you do on social media and don't use likes and comments as a replacement for human interaction and um you know be very wary of just how much time you're spending on it because it it's amazing how much time you can spend scrolling if you're yeah. not aware of it and i guess after all of that we'd like to encourage people to join our tribe yeah. through social media <laughs> yes exactly. so yeah that being said all of that being said quit social media if you can if you can um but if you're still but on it we yeah we do know that the these these tools can be really great these technologies can be really great tools yeah. for connecting with like-minded people in your local area or all across the world. And they do open up a really great potential for finding yeah, a network of people that are on your wavelength and, and that maybe share a common mission or a common goal. And, and the Foot Collective is a great example of that. I, mm. would, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you about all this stuff if it wasn't for Instagram and me liking a few <laughs> pics and on on the Foot Collective's Instagram account, mm. but the difference is, or I suppose the important part is not to see it as a replacement because what I then did was reached out to Nick, organized a call, talked to him face-to-face, you know, all of these things that actually facilitated a proper connection that then allowed me to go, well, I, I really want to take this to Australia or help spread the message in Australia. And I guess and that is the key is reaching out. Yeah, reach yeah. out to people and, and yeah, use it, use them as a tool to connect, but also to facilitate the the inter, the face-to-face interactions. And obviously in-person is best, um, but if you can't do in-person, then, you know, face-to-face on Zoom or FaceTime or something like that, or even a phone call is much better than text or email because you get voice tonality and you get, it's more real time. Um, but yeah. you know, there's levels, there's level. I kind of like to think of those, uh, those social, those face-to-face interactions and, you know, the things like body language and facial expression and voice tonality, they're kind of like social nutrients that mm. your brain gets and, and social media or the, you know, the likes and the comments that you get on social media are kind of like the junk food of nutri- of, um, yeah. so, you know, social junk food where you get that dopamine bump but it just leaves you wanting more and you're not actually fully satisfied and, and everything. So if you can, you know, a little bit of junk food here and there is, is fine. You, but your body can tolerate it, but you need to focus on the true social nutrients, the, the uh, whole food, social nutrients of quality interactions. Mm. And so I guess that brings us to the, the practices that we would recommend. Um, and so I think above all else, it's, f- just find as many ways as possible to connect in person, especially with your close family, close family or friends or, you know, your partner without digital interference so you, yeah. with, when you're not on your phone. And so I guess, like you said, it's, it's okay for it to start with you reaching out to a community or to a group or 
to a tribe online, mm. um, but ensuring that you're taking that next step and and crossing into the physical realm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and and if you if there's people that you already you know you don't necessarily even have to find a tribe online if you've already got exactly. people that you love and value in your life, like family or friends or a partner, then it's just about going okay how can we really maximize the time that we're spending together you know minimize the amount of interference from digital technologies don't be scrolling your phone while you're on date night you know um or organize purposely organize activities with those people that are yeah non-digital activities um where you are talking and conversing and um listening to each other and and all of this and I mean, a, a really great example that I've found really powerful in my life is our Thursday night family dinners. So mm. we started this four and a bit years ago now, I think. And it was when my cousin moved up to Brisbane with her young daughter. And we said, oh, well, let's get together on Thursday nights. Just It was me and my immediate family, the Dunas, and uh, Maddie and Mia and... Then we just thought, oh, well, we could invite some more of the extended family or invite a family friend. And then it just became this thing where every every Thursday night, whoever could come would bring a meal. We'd have a different theme every week. It would be, you know, Japanese or Italian or Greek or whatever. Mm. And we'd choose a different theme every week and we'd hold hands at the start of the meal. And, you know, like it's it became this whole tradition and a ceremony and and... I just found it's, I've reflected on it so much and, and I've talked to my family about it a lot too, is just how powerful that is for maintaining connections with people you value. Mm. Um, because otherwise you can go months without seeing your aunties or your cousins or Easily. even your siblings sometimes yeah. um, if you don't have a, a regular thing like that. And... Uh, yeah, some, something like that. Again, it doesn't have to be this grand traditional ceremony, but some kind of regular dinner or family dinner or catch up. And, you know, I know with, with our friends, um, James and Brooke, like we have fam dinner nights and they're not like fully regular, but they're a thing. It's like, oh, should we do a fam dinner? And then we go down and we cook dinner and we, you know, yeah, and, and even catch up. And I mean, the move and play sessions that yeah. we hold every Sunday, uh, the last Sunday of every month. Um, yeah, when we're when, when we're in when town we're here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um yeah, when we're not away for workshops, we like to hold these move and play sessions that means all of these digital connections in the in the Instagram ether world can become physical connections and they are so fun and mm. people love getting together to move and play and and connect in person and it's just so much more rich than a, a like or a comment. And you get to actually know someone rather than going, oh, that's that person's Instagram page. It's it's really funny, again, taking that third person step back and that bird's eye view looking at the people who come to these move and play sessions. And it's fascinating because, yeah, you, you're almost looking at them as their Instagram handles. Yeah, like, and oh, then, that's, uh, that's this person. Embody. And at, <laughs> yeah, at made method, at embody. At, you know. <laughs> but then you see all of these people who... I guess comment and, and interact in the TFC community online, and then to see them interact in person, um, it's it's so nice to see. So oh, so good, and then a lot of cool opportunities come up as a result of like of mm-hmm. that. Like embody Pat, we ended up having a great 
podcast on his um, on his channel, uh, which is a really great channel. Highly recommend checking it out. Mm. But we had a great chat, uh, like two and a half hour chat, just sitting here in this lounge room. And then you know he, he's going to come out to Bush One at some point to help with the working beards. You just open up these connections with that you wouldn't have otherwise. And you know similarly with you know there's been customers that we've called up about you know, an order that, or like an order that needs changing or some shoes that didn't fit or something like that. And you actually create an, a connection mm. and you get to know, oh, this, this person sounds like this. And they, um, you just, yeah, you build that more human connection, which would allow you to have a, a more in-person interaction as well. And then, and then that opens up opportunities for more and more of that. And, it's a practice. It's yeah. It's uh, it not. It's sometimes it doesn't come naturally to people, or you get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to do that. But it you once you do push past that little barrier of discomfort, it feels really good, and it's yeah. It's very you can't replace that. Mm, of course. Um. So yeah, regular catch ups. You know, even if it's just with a mate for a hike or or even games night or um park sessions, things like that. Doesn't have to be a big move and play session. It could just be going for a walk in the park. But purposely allocating time for that and purposely not being on your phone while you're during that time. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, and then you know if you can't do that or if you've done enough of that and you want more, connecting with new people in person where possible. So, you know, joining a sporting team or some kind of community orientated movement or fitness. You know, we've talked about this before in terms of creating sustainable movement behaviors in your life. Then having a community of people around you that like movement or like the type of sport or movement that you're into, Mm. then that's the best way to get into that, obviously. (laughs) And then you can actually make great friends through that as well and good connections and you know there's even there's a app called meetup now where you can go oh i want an there's a i want a group in brisbane that meets up to do hikes cool boom brisbane hiking meetup <laughs> and then you know and there you have it there you have it so um you know be, just becoming a regular somewhere and, and integrating with a community that that you feel is like-minded and, and obviously if you listen to this podcast then you seem you're probably like-minded with the full collective and you know we'd love to you to reach out to us and to integrate and to you know come along to one of our sessions or our workshops or our move and play sessions and and uh yeah we just love that we love hearing from people who want to chat and we're always down for a chat we can always slot something in um and it's not it's not for us like a gimmicky throwaway term that we use tribe to to describe the community that we have but Mm. all of those ancestral values that we were talking about at the beginning the the important things that made up a good tribe. That's what we, we're trying to create. That's what we want to create. Yeah. Um, and we can't do that just by ourselves, I guess, you know, exactly. and, and we value the people who have really thrown themselves into our community and, 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 you know, have made themselves a part of it. Uh, and 100%. we encourage more and more people to do the same because it feels really good when we have those interactions, like you said, with customers and people that come to workshops and yeah, they don't necessarily have to buy a product or come to every event, but uh, these are people who continue to engage with us and, and yeah, continue to maintain that relationship. 
Yeah, it's that presence. And also, you know, we can only, I guess we can only connect with so many people day to day, but the beauty of it is how it's a, it's a real global community now. And if you know, if you've, if you've been to the same Foot Collective workshop as someone else, or you've got, you know, the same beam or something, there's, there's a connection between two people who would otherwise maybe not have met who then could go and hang out and do a beam session or something like that. And so it becomes quite a scalable thing where, you know, yes, you can connect with us through our events, but then through those events, you can meet other people who you might be able to connect with. And, and that's, I guess, the idea of the Facebook community group. Um, and also, well. and also, I guess the, the mighty network that, yeah, that Nick's building. Yeah. Which is now. the bigger, the bigger project. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, I, I mean, it, it's out there now and it, it, it's, it's on its way to be being built, but, what the Mighty Network is, um, the Foot Collective's Mighty Network is an, an online city almost where the members of that community are uh, accepted into that community. Um, they're invited or accepted and it's a safe space for people to speak freely and to share their beliefs and their thoughts and their health and movement journeys in a place that isn't being controlled by Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and isn't being controlled uh, i guess by marketing and advertising dollars yeah. uh, to to keep your eyeballs there and to keep you clicking and to to keep you scrolling uh, yeah which is a really cool concept yeah it's it's a great concept and without it's, all the distraction yeah yeah it cuts out all the bullshit uh, yeah. really and, and and just lets tribes do what tribes did tens of thousands of years ago and that's share stories and and support each other and yeah. uh, help each other survive yeah but in an online platform and i guess that's that's the other avenue that yeah while while we do use facebook and instagram a lot and that's how we connect with a lot of people that's where we would love to one day see a really strong tfc community yeah on there and then yeah and it just yeah we just love like i I love our community in the sense that now we can run an event and we get 20 people along and everyone has fun together and mm. they get in, get involved and I think that is just so special and it really it humble it's humbling to have that many people come along and and want to learn and share and and connect and but it just makes a lot of sense because that's exactly what we're wired to do and when especially when you add play into the mix <laughs> playing and connecting is like a ultra combo for physical and mental health and it feels really good and it's fun and so yeah it's really exciting i mean i pinch myself all the time that that's <laughs> part of like that's the job <laughs> that we yeah. do or the business that we have is is to help facilitate that because that's exactly what we love doing and it's exactly what the world needs more of um and so i guess i mean these days as well I, we want to be cognizant of the fact that COVID has greatly restricted how much people can interact face-to-face. -face. So we've been able to do these events and workshops and move and play sessions uh, because we're quite lucky in Australia in terms of the level of restrictions we've had. We've, we, Mind you, we have just had a Melbourne workshop needed to be rescheduled because of COVID. So it still affects us, but I know that a lot of, yeah, like we've said, a lot of other countries uh, in different levels of lockdown and pos quite pos you might listen to this, you might be isolated in your apartment where you can't go out and, and go to events like this or, or whatever. And I'm very much hoping that that is a short-term thing, um, however that works. But 
in the absence of the ability to connect in person, then yeah, jumping on a Zoom call or jumping on a, a phone call or, or anything like that, like we've said before, it's still good. It's still great. It's still, if you can, yeah, if you can just, yeah, just understand the levels of communication and text or email is like the lowest level and in person with, you know, no mask and full touch and all of that stuff is like the highest level then just work based off what you're comfortable with and based off what your restrictions are currently. And if if that means that all you can do is talk to someone on Zoom, then do that. And I mean, I I know it's... I'm probably preaching to the converted here, but yeah, uh, yeah, there's just... It's very important that you are doing that and, and channeling that connection through whatever um, platform possible, really. Yeah. And that's actually also what we want to start doing more of uh, with the podcast now is opening it up to more. We've, we've sort of done a bunch of podcasts that really get our philosophy across in terms of what we're trying to do with the Foot Collective and, and TFC Australia. And, and I guess let potential tribe members know what this tribe is all about. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. It's really been a good guide to yeah what this community is all about and what we want it to be all about exactly and we've had really good feedback actually from you know from we really appreciate anyone who's listening from mm. you know from one to nine or what are we on now nine ten ten maybe oops ten. <laughs> um from one to ten um yeah really appreciate anyone who's listened all the way through because it it does give you that full perspective on what we're about and what we're trying to achieve and yeah, the people who have listened to it have been saying like, oh, like it just resonates more with them about what we're what we're doing because you can only get so much across an Instagram post. And when you hear a full conversation and really the topics get explored properly, then you can really get what is like what the the mission is and what um what we're really trying to do and I've found that with all the people I've listened to on podcasts and Nick's podcasts and, you know, Align podcasts and Aubrey Marcus and, and these people and you really get to know and, and trust what they're doing. And so we really appreciate anyone who's been listening and, and if you're only just tuning in now, then I think it'd be, be a great idea to listen to all the ones beforehand. If this, what we're talking about in this one resonates with you, then probably all the other ones will too. And and uh, now we want to start opening it up to more of the, the foot foot nerd community and other people in the TFC community who are doing cool things. And we may have to do some of those through zoom (laughs) because of certain restrictions and just time restrictions as well. It's often, it's easier to do it through that, but uh, yeah, we'll be, I guess, like you said, delving into topics like food and sleep and yeah, you know, feet as well. Um, Feet stress. Yeah. We've got a bunch of cool people who are doing really cool things in all of those spaces. And We've got a really great opportunity. Digital digital technology has a, a great opportunity for us to connect with those people, record a conversation so that you can listen in and you know get something out of it. And if you guys have a concept you want us to explore mm. as well, feel yeah. free to reach out and, and, and send us a message or, or an email. And um, yeah, we, we'd love to hear your ideas because again, this is a... It's a yeah, collaborative a platform, platform for, you, for, for the whole tribe yeah. um, to to get across what they want to get across and, and to learn about what they want to learn about. Exactly. And we really like the the process of 
researching and and distilling a concept that we can chat about it's you know it's mm. um it's not a it's not as simple as just chucking the mics up and having a chat even though I guess in some cases it kind of is it's almost <laughs> that simple but you know we really like delving into a topic and figuring out what the main points should be and and um and really exploring and so if someone if you have an idea of what we should explore then we'll probably like exploring it um so yeah please get in touch and and let us know and obviously if you're enjoying the podcast a uh, a rating on apple podcast is always helpful as well but yeah even just reaching out in any way and letting us know because we love hearing we love hearing from you and i guess we can pretty much wrap this one up there i think that'll do it cool we'll catch you next week 